You're listening to Amphibicast. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for joining me again. Uh, tonight we're going to be the kind of like the pregame show for American Frog Day 2022, which is coming up soon. And uh, I've got one of the organizers. I've got Jack Small. He's very graciously agreed to come on the show. And we're going to talk about a couple of things. We're going to talk about him, and then we're going to talk about what we can expect from American Frog Day this year, which is going to be hosted in Chicago. Uh, unfortunately, not New York. So uh, I guess it's go it's go Chicago this year. But um, that's totally cool. We're going to get into all that. But um, before that, of course, the usual stuff. Thanks, everyone, for the nice five-star reviews. Uh, belated thank you to uh, Cresswell Bobby, uh, or Bobby Cresswell. Uh, thank you for that nice review. I caught that on Apple Podcast. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot. For everyone else, a great way to support the show is to leave a nice five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And uh, Spotify, too. I know there's some there's some way to review on Spotify. I've got a pretty, pretty decent good rating on there, too. So uh, thanks for that. And, of course, check out the link tree. It's got everything you need for the podcast. I've got links to the merch store. You can pick up some cool Amphibicast merch. Uh, I know at this point, you know, school's getting close. If you want to get some cool school, school swag, uh, definitely check out the merch shop. I've got t-shirts and things like that. And uh, if you want to check out in-situ ecosystems for a nice 10% listener discount, follow that link in the link tree. You make a purchase, you automatically get a 10% discount. And a small commission comes back to me at absolutely no extra cost to you. And, uh, of course, you'll find a link for Panamanian frog conservation in there as well. If you want to support Panamanian frog conservation, Project Golden Frog, Click on the link. Feel free to make a donation. So other than that, let's get into it tonight. Jack, uh, thank you for joining me. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing well, man. How are you? Good, good, good. Well, um, it's been a long day. Uh, <laughs> Jack and I were talking a little bit off air, and um, one of the challenges of having animals is uh, is veterinary care, and I had to um, bring one of my snakes in for some treatment. She's got a little bit of an infection going on, so uh, I'm going to be giving her, infect- in, uh, giving her injections at home for the next couple of weeks, which is going to be fun. But, um, you know, hey, it, it is what it is. It's like, it's like, it's like 730 at night in here. I've been at work since 630 this morning. It's the first time I've sat down. So, um, I'm a little crazy, but, um, Jack, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do it. Man. How you doing? No what's, worries. what's, what's happening with you? I'm good. I'm good. Um, just, I've been working on some frog day stuff lately, working in the frog room like usual. Um, just trying to get some advertising out there and everything for frog day. Um, it's getting close. It's really sneaking up on me. And I think everybody else too, it's, we're only month and like five weeks out i think something like that so it's definitely just around the corner yeah we're close we're close and just so everyone knows we ordered sure. the, yeah we we recorded this a little bit in advance but um frog is gonna it's the 24th of uh, september that is correct yes all right so everyone mark your calendars we're, we're gonna get into we're gonna get into frog day and everything else associated with it but um jack why don't you tell us a little bit about you first why did you get into dart frogs how did you get started in the hobby and what led you to where you are today yeah, for sure. So I got into frogs uh, about eight years ago. Actually, yeah, eight years ago from this summer. Um, I went to the Brookfield Zoo here in Chicago, actually, and I was just walking around going into one of the reptile exhibits and I saw some dart frogs I had there. I don't even remember what they were, actually, but some sort of darts. And I knew that people kept them. And I was like, these frogs are awesome. I want some. So I went home, started looking into it a little bit more, started planning. And then uh, I went to the local, one of these local reptile shows here, uh, the Scott Smith's All Animal Expo that we've got here in Chicago. Uh, and I picked up my first frog. I got an Azurius. And then, yeah, the rest is history, I guess. That's <laughs> how I started off. So, it's been, yeah, it's been a while. Um, I mean, I'm, I've always been a big reptile, amphibian kind of guy. I've had lots of different pets and stuff growing up and everything. And 
that kind of focused into dart frogs. And now that's basically all I keep. And I've been doing that for the last eight years now. Yeah. Zurius is like the gateway dart frog. Everyone, oh, totally. everyone gets yeah. in with that. Classic. Yeah. They're such cool frogs. So I'm just curious. I, I've, one of the things that I've kind of picked up from different people is I've got people come into this from all different walks of life. I've had people who come into it from the aquarium hobby and I've had people who come into it from the plant hobby with really no, um, animal, uh, I don't want to say experience, but really, you know, no work right. with animals prior. What, what drew you to frogs as opposed to reptiles, for example? I'm, I'm, Cause I came into it from that way too. I'm always curious what other like reptile keepers thought when they came into gotcha. it. Gotcha. Cool. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I wish I had a better answer for you, but something just drew me to the frogs and it stuck. I'm not sure why, but, um, cause I've had lots of other stuff, you know, turtles, lizards, um, crested geckos, leopard geckos, beard dragons, all that, you know, all that stuff. Um, just as when I was growing up, but something just drew me to the frogs. And for some reason, I'm just so fascinated by them and I'm just so into them. And again, yeah, I wish I had a better answer, but you get it. They're awesome. You know? And I don't know. I just love them. Yeah. It sort of becomes a world unto itself. Like I was, I was talking to the, the vet earlier today Yeah. and she was asking me, you know, what, what reason I grab, I, I keep blood pythons. I have a pair that oh, okay, cool. I don't, I don't have a breeding pair. I just happen to have a male and a female. Nice. And, um, in addition to my, my king snake who I've had for 20 years, but, uh, she asked me why I said, I don't know. just something about them. I like, I don't yeah. <laughs> really want to keep anything else. I just like them. The same thing with the frogs. I just, I couldn't. I don't know. I couldn't imagine going back after uh, getting so deep into them, but for sure. And I think also the fact that there are so many different species and locales that you can keep, you can never get bored of it. You're always, there's always something new. There's always something else you can get. There's, you know, like it's, (laughs) it's just, you can always work on new tanks and try to get something else and just, it builds on itself. So, and then you just kind of get like wrapped into it. And yeah, I mean, you know how it goes. <laughs> yeah. So, for what, sure. What was your first tank build experience like? Because I remember when I started building, well, I mean, I built tanks years and years ago, but they were pretty simple. Yeah. But what was your first tank building experience like? Oh, gosh. So, I remember it, actually. I probably have a photo of it somewhere. <laughs> it was uh, it was a 10-gallon tank, and I did one of those great stuff foam backgrounds that was way too thick. And then just covered it in silicone and cocoa fiber, just like how I saw whatever somebody do on YouTube or something. And it was just, I had some sort of drainage layer and whatever substrate and then sphagnum moss and a couple leaves and then like a pothos. And that was about it. So super, super basic. Um, just a classic, like first kind of tank, you know, but, um, I mean, yeah, I, I'll definitely always remember that. I think because it's, it's kind of funny thinking back on it, um, and how far I've progressed. But, um, yeah, that was, it was such a basic, like easy, it was so fun though. Like it was so exciting to be building a background and like totally making this whole thing from scratch. Um, and that's, what's so fun about it still, you know, getting to do that just, you know, kind of on a bigger scale and with nicer things, not just pothos clippings and stuff, you know? So, but, um, yeah, I think that was my, that was my first thing. Yeah. One of the things that I liken it to is, um, I guess if you're in, in training to become an artist and you start off making sketches like a thumbnail sketch and it helps to practice on something that's a little bit smaller and more forgiving. Like I always tell people, they'll say, I I bought this big tank. I want to do a build. I said, no, no, no. Start with a 10 gallon tank or even a five gallon tank. Mess around with it. mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause then if it, if it doesn't come out the way you want it, you can toss it, you can do whatever. 
I mean, I've even told people get like a nice sheet of plate glass or something like that, like from an old picture frame and practice on that because, um, I, I, I'm always, even to this day, I'm still reluctant to really like work over a, a big expensive tank and then, you know, you're not happy with it later on. So I don't know. It's just like, it's such a learning curve, but yeah, definitely. I think that's a great tip. Yeah. Starting kind of small. Cause if you put all that time and money and effort into building a big tank and sometimes like sometimes tanks just don't turn out how you want, you know, like I'd like to say, like, I love all my tanks. There are definitely a few that I built and I'm like, you know what? I'm not, I'm not really loving that one. And either I'll redo it or I'll just, you know, let it just let it grow out and whatever, but definitely starting on something smaller and figuring out what kind of tank you like and your kind of style for building. Um, yeah, that's definitely a great tip for sure. Yeah. One thing I noticed the other day, actually, I was downstairs and I was looking at some of my older tanks, which were converted 40 breeders. I don't mean like converted, okay. but they were just, they're basically still just tanks, but I had to modify the top for ventilation and whatnot. But yeah. Yeah. I, I did a build with, um, it was, it was, it was a, I, I did the build after a, a, something a YouTuber did and, uh, he used the, it's almost like a combination of, of latex and, uh, like cocoa strands. Like usually you see them in plant stores or at like Home Depot, or whatever. It's almost mm-hmm. like a pot liner. You know what I'm talking about? Gosh, I think I do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and in his video, he cut it and he siliconed it to the hardscape and whatnot, just to kind of give it like, I guess, instead of doing the foam thing and the cocoa fiber it was kind of a one-shot deal and um i did that about maybe four years ago or something like that and um the silicone is actually coming away from that pot liner now so oh is it yeah so if anybody else is doing that keep an eye out for your silicone because mine's starting to that's the only the only tank i've had that's starting to kind of deteriorate but there's so many plants in there no one's going to notice but me anyway yeah for sure yeah i've definitely heard of people doing the foam backgrounds and having them peel peel off after whatever a couple years or something and kind of collapse into the tank so yeah definitely unfortunately that does happen i'm sure there are people out there that know some tips and stuff to make that not happen but (laughs) i have seen it happen though for sure yeah, I'm kind of stepping away from the polyurethane foam in favor of the uh, purple insulation foam. You buy it in like a huge sheet. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, The only problem with that is you it's kind of thick, so you have to cut it a little bit smaller to get it inside the tank. Because you, uh, okay. it's, yeah, you kind of have to, I guess it, well, I guess it would depend. I guess if you were putting it in like a, like a front opening tank, like a, an Exoterra or a Zoomat, I guess you could take the top off and fit it in, but. If you're going to fit it in an aquarium, it's, it takes a little bit of, uh, a little bit of wiggle room, but, um, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I do mostly, actually not mostly. I think all of my tanks right now, except for grow outs are exoterras, which is nice. Um, cause again, over the years, you know, starting off with different tanks and then switching over to something else. And then you've got random, whatever, different size ones here and there. And so I'm, I finally got everything pretty uniform and happy with it. And I am a fan of the exoterras. I know some people don't like them that much, but, um, I do like them quite a bit. I just like symmetry. Yeah, me too. I know (laughs) for sure. Yeah. I like anything that looks good, like laid out nice. It's, it's the the funny thing is we, we want to, the, I guess the, the moniker is the jungle, you know, we want to bring the jungle into our homes Right. But nothing is, is symmetrical to the extent in nature that we, right. we try. It's like, I want it to grow nice and wild, but I want to rein it in and have it really, really yeah. organized. It's but, ca- yeah, exactly. It's kind of funny. But 
Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So what species are you working with presently? So I think I have all Ufaga right now, except for one tank. I do have blue truncatus at the moment. Um, But yeah, I have all Ufaga, Familio Vicentii, and Histrionica at the moment. I don't have any Sylvatica or any Lamani or anything at the moment. Um, But yeah, mostly I've got, as far as Familio, I've got Rio Calubre and Rio Broncos right now. Um, and then quite a few locales of histos, redheads, bullseyes, large reds, um, atratos, uh, a, a bunch, <laughs> hard to, hard to keep them all straight, but, um, yeah, I've got, I've got several though, but that's all I'm doing these days. I think I've got about, uh, 15 tanks or so going right now. Um, I did, I used to have significantly more than that. I think at my highest amount i think it was at about 65 tanks which was a lot um kind of hard to manage and hard hard to uh enjoy the frogs with that amount at least for me and my schedule so i'm at about 15 right now and it's a, it's a good amount i'd say um but yeah and just all ufaga so it's pretty nice the truncatus how are you experiencing them I, I had had an opportunity to get the yellow truncatus about i don't know six or seven years ago but i just i, I passed because i was kind of maxed out space wise how do you like them? What 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 are they like? I like them a lot. Um, the blues I've been wanting for a couple years now, and I finally was able to get a group not too long ago. Um, and they're breeding for me. They actually laid for me, I believe, the day after I got them. So that was a nice surprise because they weren't a proven group. So that was really fun. Um, they're definitely a little skittish. Uh, they prefer lots of cover and um, places, you know, for them to duck into and everything. They're out a lot in the front of the tank, especially like in the middle of the day and when they're looking for food and stuff. Um, if I try to go in and try to snag some pictures of them, they usually take off and they're fast. They're really fast. Um, but uh, I do love them though. They're really cool frogs. Again, bold when they're, you know, when you're not messing with them in the tank. Um, and I think they're a really good group frog, at least in my experience. They've been doing well and it's fun to see. I've got five of them. It's fun to see all five of them out in the front, like around the feeding station, all picking off the flies and stuff. So I do like them a lot. They're really cool frogs. Have you raised up any of the tadpoles at all? I have not yet. I have several tadpoles. Um, I've heard from a good friend of mine was telling me that uh, they're a little finicky and sensitive as froglets and they can be a little challenging. Um, I'm not sure if that's due to uh, lack of genetic diversity since there aren't that many around anymore or if that species is just harder to raise. Um, this is my first time working with them, so I'm not sure, but fingers crossed, we'll see. But um, I do have quite a few tadpoles though right now. So I'll be at the froglet stage, hopefully in you know next next couple of months. How are you raising them? Are you doing separate, communal, or like what's, what's your game plan for them? Yeah, I'm doing, right now I'm doing individuals. Um, I think if I start to get overrun by them, <laughs> hopefully I do, honestly, because there aren't that many around. I'd love to get them out there more. Um, once I start getting enough where it's like, okay, I've got too many individual cups sitting around, um, then I'll try communal. I'm not sure if people have done those communal or not, but I mean, people seem to be doing communal with everything these days. So I think it's definitely worth a shot, but as of now, I'm just doing just single cups. Yeah. I, I have an episode, a really good one about communal rearing coming up in a little bit. And, um, Oh, right on. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's funny because it's amazing how the dynamics of keeping could just kind of change overnight. And 
I, I remember trying to raise tadpoles individually in the deli cups, and my my problem was I it was too cold where I was doing it, and I it took forever for these tadpoles to morph out. When they did, they just oh, didn't. Yeah. It, it just wasn't a good a good go. And then my male of that pair um, just died unexpectedly, so that was the end of that. But and then when I started raising tadpoles more communally, I had just once I got it right, it was so much easier. Just just you know more more control and you wouldn't necessarily get the same number of viable frogs but the ones that you would get would be a lot more you know just robust and they grow Absolutely. they just they were just better all along but yeah i've had the same experience um i've raised tinks and mint terabilis communal um and yeah definitely not quite as many but the ones that do come out man they're just big healthy froglets you know um, it's really interesting, but again, yeah, I'm kind of, I'm trying to shoot for numbers here. Obviously I want healthy froglets as well, but trying to shoot for numbers just because of how, how few there are out there. But again, yeah, I do, I do want to try communal. So once I, once I've got a few developing well, and I'm getting close to having some come out of the water, then I'll probably set up a communal bin and try that out for them. See how it goes. Yeah. I'd be eager to know how it turns out because I, I don't think, I mean, I'm sure I've had other guests who've had them, but no one really mentioned mm-hmm. it per se, but I'm always interested in some of the, I don't want to say oddball species, but some of the species that really didn't take off to the extent that yeah. like the Ophaga species did. And, um, you know, obviously like Tinctorius is, is a popular species, but For I'd, sure. I'd be curious to, let it know, uh, to, I'd be curious to hear from you how that pans out in the, in the near future. Definitely. Yeah. I'd be happy to let you know. I should, you know what, actually that's, I'm now inspired to set that up. Maybe I'll set that up a little sooner than I was planning because I'm curious as well, actually, because, yeah, not many people work with Trincatus in general, especially the blues, but even the yellows, I mean, they've kind of fizzled out a little bit more too. Like, I don't see people posting pictures of them. I don't see them for sale very often. So, I mean, hopefully they're still out there. I know they're a cheaper frog, but still, again, super cool frogs. So, yeah, I'd be be interested to see if they work for communal. So, I'm sure they would, but I'm going to give that a try. Yeah, the last I heard, they were supposedly kind of difficult to get to reproduce successfully. I don't know if it was the tadpole rearing aspect of it, which is what you know you you mm. told me before. But yeah, right. I don't know. Oh. It's they're good looking frogs too. I I totally. think that they're yeah. pretty cool looking. For sure, and there are apparently different um, other morphs as well that we don't have in the hobby. I've seen pictures of orange ones. Um, I I feel like I've heard somebody mention green ones before. Um, and I'm sure there's, you know, different ones out there, but yeah, they're definitely, they're definitely cool frogs. So hopefully I do well with them, but I'm on the right track so far, which is good. So, yeah, it's just, I don't know. I'm always interested. I'm more and more. I'm interested in some of the less common species. Yeah. I don't really know why, but it's just, I I don't know. I like oddball stuff. I I like the challenge and I mean, don't get me wrong that my, I, my phyllobates, my phyllobates is kind of like my favorite genus for the time being, but I'm always interested in playing around with some new species. And once I, you know, once I can free up some tags, I know like everyone's been trying to get me into a Faga and it's probably going to happen at some point, but (laughs) I, I, if I'm going (laughs) to do, if I'm going to, I mean, I've had, I've had Pamelio before, but I, um, if I'm going to commit to something, I want to make sure I have a really nice, appropriately planted vivarium and nothing that's going to be like too, you know, look, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it right. So I'm, I'm saving, right. <laughs> I'm saving my for resources sure. to accommodate that. Yeah, for sure. That's, that's smart. Especially if you're, if you're just getting one or whatever, trying it out. Yeah. You want to, 
you know, do a nice big tank and pick out, you know, I've got a friend who's been, he's just starting to get back into frogs a little bit more. And, um, he's been, he's gotten quite a few things from me and he messages me. He's like, Oh, you think I should get these sometime? He's like, I don't know. And I'm talking to him like, dude, you've got two tanks left, like no rush. You know, once you find something you want, like <laughs> don't jump the gun, like you'll find something for sure. But cause that's, oh, space is such a, yeah, space is such a limiting factor for stuff. So for sure, you got to be picky sometimes and get just the stuff you want. But I mean, it is nice though, back to the oddball kind of stuff and the um, uncommon things in the hobby. I mean, as much as like, I like it personally and I'm into it, like, just because I have fun with it. I am into it for conservation and everything too. And for the general, just like well-being of the hobby. And so I, I like to keep some of the uncommon and rare stuff just so it's still around a little bit still, you know? Um, so that way they don't just totally fizzle out and disappear from the hobby. Yeah, I can, I can appreciate that. And that seems to be one of those things that just kind of comes in and out of any animal hobby. Like, I mean, even like the, yeah. the tarantula hobby, you'll have species that'll come in and be really, really popular. And then people get bored of them and then disappear. And it's like something that was just so common one year is now completely gone the next. And totally. I yeah. Often, it's yeah. weird. I wonder about how many things that are out there that still aren't in the hobby or at least not to the point where they'd be like widely known. Like I, I know a couple of people who have gotten um, some, some oddball species. Uh, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Um, different galax or something yeah or, or what is it ran, um yeah uh andinabates i know andinabates oh. is coming into the hobby that's what i i'm sorry for the pause that's what i was thinking about no worries <laughs> no worries yeah i know a few yeah, people have that, got some of those oh do you interesting yeah because those definitely are not around very much i know that they were in the hobby years ago they used to come in with fish shipments apparently um and uh, yeah people would have the fulgarita or fulgarita if that's how you pronounce it um those green ones they're super cool that genus has some very cool frogs in it so i'm hoping that those do become uh established in the hobby and kind of a a common you know actual like frog that is commonly available in the hobby but we'll see there are so many species though in that genus so lots of cool stuff hopefully that does happen in the near future yeah i'm just i googled a couple of um a couple of different species online and they're just like, I mean, I know that they, like our understanding of them isn't the same as it is for, say, like Dendrobates tinctorius, but they're just so colorful. It's just, it's funny because even like the most, <laughs> yeah. the most subtle, slight difference in morphology, like even like, for like, I'm obsessed with Emerega. I mean, I, I don't have any, but just the way that they look physically is to me very, very appealing as a, I mean, I like these, I like the fact that my mints look like big fat green and orange golf balls, but <laughs> um, I, I just, I don't know. I, I enjoy just kind of the different varieties of, of, of morphology. Some are a little bit more leggy and some are a little yeah, bit more right. plump. Yeah, definitely. I know what you mean for sure. Yeah. Those are cool. I've only had, um, as far as America go, I've only had the, oh geez, what were they? Uh, oh my gosh. I can't even think of it. The pepper eye, yellow gold pepper eye. Um, I've only had those for that genus, but I would love to work with more. They require a little more space and like floor space at least and and bigger tanks and stuff and all my bigger stuff is devoted to large obligates mostly um so i haven't messed around with those too much that's something i definitely want to do in the future though because there are some really cool ones out there yeah it's like my um my yorabas my phylobates bicolor yorabas mm, are like yeah like loaded like slingshots they just go and go and go but 
the, the, sure. the funny thing was I moved to, I had two in separate tanks. I had one in the smaller grow out. I moved them together and they actually became calmer once I had them together. I think they're two females. Oh, yeah. I think they're two females because I haven't heard calling from either of them, but like they're so nuts compared to my, my green legs, my father baby's bicolor green legs that it's like, it's like a completely different frog. You know, really? Just, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, the green legs. Apparently, I'm. I don't know how I got a hold of these, but the the green legs. I'm not quite. I've only seen one other. I think Patrick Neighbors has them too, but mm. I've had them for forever. Had them for like six years. It's a sexed pair. I think they're related, but they're duds. They never produce viable offspring. But they're so oh, dramatically different from the Urabas. The Urabas are like a completely. It's it's the like they're like my like wannabe Amarigas. <laughs> so that's funny yeah those are yeah those are definitely not around too much that's cool you've got those yeah um yeah i, I definitely don't know very many people that have those at all i so. wish that they would reproduce that's that's my big problem because these are bold and they're they're just they're on par they look like on par with like terribilis they're just they're plump they're bold they are out in the open all the time I, i'd love to get more of them but unfortunately this pair is just they they just produce duds that's such a bummer. Are you doing, I mean, I know, you know, supplementation and everything, but you're doing frequent vitamin A and everything oh, and yeah. they're just still yeah. and switching it up and they just still won't give it some pro. Yeah. Maybe unfortunately if they're too far related, maybe they're just, maybe they just aren't going to throw any good ones, but I mean, fingers crossed for you. I have a feeling that it might be the male because, well, here, here's the dynamic. I mean, I've, I've covered it on the show, but I'll just mention it again briefly. I will get maybe three clutches a year out of them. No I, kidding. Yeah. I One usually, of those frogs, huh? Yeah. I usually get them in spring right around one time when we have like really big thunderstorms or possibly again in the fall. So that first like thunderstorm of say like June or May, mm -hmm. they'll call or the male will call. I'll see a clutch. I'll pull it, put it in my little, you know, I, what I usually do is, um, I don't like to, for some reason, my father, I don't like to leave the eggs in the enclosure because they don't seem to take care of them. They tend to dry out. So mm. yeah, I, I, instead of, I don't use Petri dishes, I use deli cup lids and, um, I'll put them on a, like, I'll take a wet paper towel, put that inside of like a long, low Rubbermaid container, set the top in there and then just keep them hydrated either with like RO water or spring water. But, um, after about a week, they all mold over. So I don't know if it's just the male or what. I kind of gave up because it's not like the female's laying eggs every couple of weeks. She's only doing it right. a couple of times a year. So I've kind of just right. They're 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 show frogs now. They're they're not, yeah they're, right. At least it sounds like you really like them and they're super cool frogs. So you know if they're not going to breed, at least they're cool frogs. And if you ever if they do give you some good eggs, then sweet awesome bonus. But that's how I like to look at it with stuff like that. Sometimes you know if they're just cool frogs and just. Just enjoy them as pets or whatever, you know, and then <laughs> hopefully maybe someday they'll figure it out and give you some babies. Yeah. But and, the, sure. and the other thing is, I mean, I know a lot of people, I mean, for, for new people who are listening, I know a lot of people get into the hobby, really any hobby, whether it's, you know, dark frogs or whatever, but a lot of people want to go from zero to 60 and start breeding. And I'll tell you, having, yeah. having, un, having extra mouths to feed and then nobody, nobody wants them. It's a real, it's a pain. It's, it's, it creates so much more work for you. So for sure, I'm not going to push this. I'm not, I'm not going to push yeah. the envelope here. Definitely smart. Yeah. I think yeah. it definitely catches people by surprise. I've seen, um, and they, uh, underestimate how much work it is and how much, 
how many mouths there are to feed. And it's like, you know, when you, if you've just got a pair and you're doing like a culture or two a week or whatever, and then all of a sudden you've got 20 froglets, that's a lot more flies to be making, you know, and some people aren't prepared for that. So yeah, for sure. It is. It is like, I have, yeah. um, I have my, my Santa Isabel's of course, you know, uh, exploded oh, yeah. in population. So oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I started, I, I, I just, I stopped I kind of broke that whole dynamic up and I just started pulling the eggs before they um, become tadpoles. But I've got this grow out full of them and they just eat and eat and eat and eat. <laughs> and I'm making yep. like half of my reserve cultures are going just to this one tank just to feed just, them. Oh, and it's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That'll happen. How yeah. many, how many cultures are you making for your, uh, for your uh, collection? So I actually just cut back on flies. Um, I've been working on a media for the last uh, several months, eight months or so. Um, and it's been working not to toot my own horn too much, but it's been working so well that I haven't been needing to make as many cultures. So I've been doing about four a week, uh, four to five. I was doing on whatever I was using before. I was doing about seven. Um, and yeah, I'm doing like four to five these days. So definitely manageable. It's not too bad at all. Do you have a preference for Heidi eye or melanogaster? I hate Heidi eye. <laughs> <laughs> I hate Heidi eye. They suck. I mean, they're good feeders just cause, um, of their size, but man, they just, I don't know. I can get great booms out of them, but it takes a while. They're kind of a pain in the butt in the winter because the cultures dry out before they start breeding. Um, at least in my experience. And then I use Excelsior with them and I don't like that stuff either. So I do strictly Mel's these days, just wingless Mel's and I'm, and it's working just fine for me. So what do you, you don't like, you don't like to use Excelsior. What do you, what do you use in place of it? I use coffee filters. Yeah. I don't like Excelsior just cause the little bits of it tend to go places. Um, and it just takes up so much space to like end up, I had a massive box of it. Right. And it's just another thing to have. Um, so yeah, no, I, I've just been rocking with the Mel's and six or seven coffee filters in there and it works perfectly. One thing I found about the Melanogaster is when you have a lot of Excelsior down there, they kind of hide in it. And then like, I have a hard, I have a harder time dumping a culture of Melanogaster out than Heidi Eye. Oh, interesting. It's, I don't know huh. if it's just, if it's just the way, I don't know if maybe if I'm using too much Excelsior or whatnot, but I find that it's just harder to get them out. Like the Heidi, I just like, they're like a Jack in the box. You know what I mean? They just, they come <laughs> flying out of them no matter what you do. For sure. Yeah. I find that yeah. I, like less, less, um, Excelsior with the Melanogaster seems to be the way to, the way to go. Interesting. Yeah. And cool. the, well, that's a good too. Another, yeah. another thing about the Excelsior that's also kind of a, kind of a, uh, a downer is if you've got an older culture that's got mites mm-hmm. and that little flake of, excelsior makes it into a new culture and it's got mites on it that's like the perfect vehicle for uh disaster (laughs) thankfully i haven't had a problem with it but um, no but it definitely yeah that definitely does happen for sure that's what yeah i've just i've always used coffee filters for mel's and it's always worked and then when i stopped doing heidi eye because i had a lot of um just pamelio and stuff anyway and i got rid of a lot of my bigger frogs and so i didn't even really need heidi eye anymore um, and so, yeah, I've just been, I've been doing this and not dealing with Excelsior and it's been so much nicer. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's got their own personal, I just, I'm for still sure. using the, Oh I've, yeah, yeah, for sure. I've got this massive brick of Excelsior that I've been 
I've been sitting on for like two years. It's like it just it just won't run out. <laughs> for but, sure. Um, yeah. yeah. I try I tried the coffee filters. It just wasn't quite I, I don't know, it was wasn't quite what I was looking for, but yeah, I mean, for some reason, I mean, it depends on climate and temperatures and everything where you're keeping them and what your house is like and what media you're using and, and the flies. I mean, yeah, everybody's got their own way of doing stuff. And if it works for you, perfect. May not work for somebody else, but if it works for you, then you're good to go, you know? Yeah. I mean, you and for I are sure. somewhat similar in climates. I mean, New York and Chicago is somewhat similar, but I find yeah. that like in the wintertime, my productivity in the winter and the summer, in the winter when I've got the heat going... And in the summer when I've got the air conditioner going, that's when my productivity, um, productivity rather, doesn't really do too well. It's, I don't know if it's just the moisture being pulled out of the air, but that's, yeah. that's a hard time. Is that a hard time for you too or no? That's Yeah, I would say definitely definitely summer and definitely winter too. Because, yeah, the I think because it gets so dry um, in the winters. And so that definitely it pulls all that moisture out, like you were saying. Um, and then I don't know why summer, necess- maybe, uh, maybe because of the the extra heat or something, but I do seem to have more issues than not in the summer, but, and same with other people, just trends like, you know, in the local Facebook Chicago group and stuff or other groups, I'll see people like, ah, oh, I'm out of flies, they crashed or whatever. So I try to make extra in those months, um, just so I have extra for myself if it happens and also for other people just to help them out with the culture too, or whatever, if anybody ever has theirs crash. But yeah, that does seem to be a trend. Summer, summer and winter definitely seems to be harder for flies. I've heard people have greater mold issues when it's dry too. Have you ever had, uh, have you ever had issues with mold? I haven't. I've had a few cultures just over the years. Sometimes the mold will pop up for some reason and doesn't really affect the culture. The, the maggots just churn right through it. So I think we haven't had that problem, but I know. So yeah, I know that I'll see posts again, people posting about, Oh, there's mold in my culture and ruined it and stuff. But yeah, thankfully I haven't, I haven't really ran into that issue. I had it for, a little while, and then I started using vinegar. I started using like a, maybe like a one part to three part, one part vinegar to three parts water mix for my cultures. And the addition of the vinegar, I haven't had mold in years. Nice. Yeah, for sure. Uh, vinegar is a good one. I use that too. So that's probably why I never got it. Um, I also use cinnamon. And in my media, I've got methyl paraben as well. Another just mold inhibitor, right? So um, between the cinnamon and that, I, I haven't had any with this new media at all, which is great. Yeah, you're good to go. That's that's like for sure. the, tri- the trifecta. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. What kind yep. of supplements are you using for your? Well, you're, I mean, your Pamilio, Pamilio's obviously you know carotenoids we we know and and you know whatnot. Yeah. But what what kind of supplements are you using for them or, or just your collection in general? Yeah, I mean, I don't do anything too special. Just I rotate out different stuff and try to do a variety of brands. Just some have, are lacking here and some are have better of this or better that or whatever. So, I mean, for my day-to-day normal supplements, Rapashi Calcium Plus all the way, um, I'll use Rapashi Vitamin A every two weeks. And then um, I u- I've used uh, Tink Man's Calcium Plus, or sorry, Calcium with Vitamin D3. Um, I've used that Burkon stuff, the European stuff, um, but just you know, I'll rotate it in and out, like I said, but staple just throughout the years, what I always use is Rapashi Calcium Plus. Yeah, I've been thinking about just how poor quality uh, um, fruit flies actually are. Like when you think about it, there's really like oh, nothing yeah. to them and we have to- Oh, they're terrible. Yeah. <laughs> what, yeah. I, what I've been doing is I've actually been making maggot cultures. Like what I'll do is I'll let 
you know, I'll, I'll take like a, like a, you know, a little bit of media, let some flies go in there for a couple of days, dump all those flies out. And when those maggots come, you know, start really coming out, if I have a, you know, like a frog that I want to put some weight on, like those baby Santa Isabels, I'll just stick that cup in there and let them just eat off all those maggots. And it's amazing how big these frogs get. I mean, obviously you're kind of going zero to 60. I mean, fruit flies aren't so great. And I know the maggots are probably a little bit overboard, but that's been like my trick to getting frogs to put on weight is, is just giving them plenty of maggots to eat and the mites too. They like to eat the mites out of the old, uh, the older cultures. Totally. That maggot trick is fantastic. I've been doing that too. And uh, not many people think to do that. I think probably because the maggots are kind of hard to deal with and maybe people are a little grossed out or like don't know how to get them out or whatever, but doing a maggot culture just like that is totally awesome. Especially, yeah, when you, like you said, when you've got a frog that's maybe a little underweight or you're trying to fatten up or something, doing that is such a good tip. Oh yeah. Sure. I, I stick the whole cup in there. I just, oh, do you? Oh, yeah, just, oh, I nice. just, yeah. I just take the whole deli cup with the, with whatever's in there and just stick it in the tank and let it sit there. I mean, what's when they're done? Yeah, when they're done, they're done. It basically just creates a long-term feeding station. Like, I I never really understood why people would. I mean, you put a you put a slice of banana in there, and you know, in a day or two, it's 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 gone. It's it's dried out, or you know, it just it just completely rotted or molded over. I mean, I stick that that empty that or even like the old cultures that have a couple of maggots left, and maybe some mites and some you know some road flies or whatever. They'll just go in there and they'll yeah. just clean, they'll clean that thing out. I don't actually throw away, <laughs> I don't throw away cultures unless they're like really, really tapped. Yeah. You know, and otherwise they go right in the tanks and I let the frogs just finish everything off. Smart. Yeah. That's a great way to do it. Cause yeah, totally. Especially those baby frogs, the mites are huge. As long as I have had, I've done that before with a culture that had too many mites and then I had mites crawling on like the lid of the tank. It was a grow out. And I was like, ooh, okay, that's a little too much. <laughs> but as long, yeah. as, as long as you don't throw one in that's like infested, yeah, totally. They love, they love picking off those little mites. Yeah. And it's amazing how much mites actually compose their, their wild diet. Like I know the, the infamous Juan Santos episode everybody loved. Um, I had Juan Santos. He's a scientist who's, I mean, he's, he's like incredible, everything he knows about dar frogs. And uh, he was telling me about how in the wild they eat a tr- just, mites is just a huge part of their natural diet and even though mites aren't necessarily that nutritious they just they eat them and eat them and eat them yeah i've i've definitely heard that they do but i wasn't aware that it made up such a large part of their diet though that's cool yeah from what he was telling i mean it's hard to piece together everything that's in their diet but he studied right, them really right. really extensively and um cool i mean if anybody get, i'm trying to get him up back on again at some point in the near future but um i know that was a popular episode i, I don't recall which number it was but um yeah, he he. I think I missed that one. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, go back and check it out. It was it For was sure. um, it was uh, he, he's like incredible. I mean, he is just a fountain of knowledge about everything dart frogs and um, trying to pull the. I mean, I'm I'm should totally be better prepared for this. I, 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 probably, <laughs> no I don't, worries. yeah, I don't, I don't want to go scrolling through my phone looking for this. I don't have the episode number, but yeah, it was, it was a very popular episode and a lot of, a lot of people took away from it. And, um, I, I spoke to him a couple of months ago and he was in the field and, uh, I asked him if he wants to come back on again, he's up for it, but, um, I don't think he's going to come back for another couple of weeks, but, um, uh, see if I can get him on again, but cool. That'd be so, awesome. Well, I, I want to start moving into frog day now. And, um, sure. Just for every, everybody who's not necessarily familiar, American Frog Day is an event 
that's obviously held annually in the United States. It's really the biggest dart frog event that I can think of that's dedicated specifically to dart frogs. But I mean, there's some other frog stuff going on there as well. Um, I know there was um, last year in, in New York, uh, Edgardo Griffith from EVAC, he came, he talked about the project with Adelopis. So there's a little bit of everything in that kind of vein. But um, why don't you tell us uh, how, it, how it all got started? Like, I know it started back in the early 90s and then it kind of changed and grew. What, what can you tell us about the whole event, like from, you know, how it began to where it became today? Yeah, for sure. So it started in 1995. Chuck Powell started it. Um, it was in San Jose, California. So it started as a California show in the last couple of years. Yeah, it's definitely, I think it's been in New York, um, the last like several years, if I'm not mistaken, but, um, yeah, so it started, uh, 1995 and I think he did it out there for like 10 years. Um, and then they decided like, okay, it can, you know, we can do it somewhere else now, pick a different location, let somebody else do it or whatever. Um, so I'm not sure the history for where it went from there. But I know we had it in Chicago in 2012. Um, and then, like I said, yeah, it was in New York for several years. And now we've got it back in Chicago. And what kind of a process was it to plan this whole thing? Like, I mean, I'm always curious about the behind the scenes stuff. Like, what did you yeah. have to do to secure a venue and to get vendors on board and sponsors? Like, how did you work this whole thing from behind the scenes? So Chris Miller and I are doing this together. Um, we. We were at the NARBC show in Tinley Park here in Illinois uh, last fall, and we were talking about Frog Day. I was telling him about how I had attended the one in 2019 in New York. I was like, it was awesome. It'd be super fun to do it here sometime because um, it was fun to go to New York and meet all the New York guys that um, I had talked to online for so many years and everything. Um, so it was so cool to do that. And I'm like, we should do one uh, in Chicago sometime. Like, you know, it'd be it'd be awesome to do that. He was telling me he was the one who actually hosted the one that was in 2012. Um, and so we were sitting there, I was like, we should do this sometime. And he, he's like, yeah, we should. And I was like, let's do it. <laughs> let's, let's do it then. Like, why, I mean, why not? And so we reached out to Jeremy and the guys who had hosted it before. And they're like, sure. Yeah, go ahead. You can do one in Chicago this year. So, um, once we were like, okay, yeah, we're doing it. Um, then we started working on planning stuff. Um, he's done, a lot of work for the kind of the logistics and the financial stuff, um, getting the venue and all the, you know, all the planning and stuff like that. And I've done more of the advertising and getting the vendors and the sponsors and all that stuff. Um, so we've split up the workload that way. So as far as all the sponsors and vendors and that kind of stuff, um, once I found out that we were doing it and we had a venue and kind of had, a bit of a plan. I started reaching out to some of the previous sponsors and vendors from other years. And then also a lot of the Chicago guys I know, cause I've been going to the NARBC show here for years. So I know all the guys that normally been here, like Jared Ruffing and Mike Novi and stuff. So I, I was reaching out to all those guys that I figured would be interested in it. Um, and they are, they'll be there. So, um, it's been a lot of work, but it's been super fun reaching out to everybody, piecing it together, kind of seeing it actually come together. So it's been lots of work. Um, and I've been posting on Facebook. I'm sure you've seen a bunch of times I'm posting all the time about new sponsors, new vendors, um, any updates and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, it's been, and this is my first time doing anything like this. So it's all new to me. I'm doing 
best I can and kind of learning as I go. Um, it's been going pretty well so far, I'd say. We've got quite a few vendors and sponsors and everything seems to be falling into place nicely. So um, that's basically, yeah, that's been the process so far. Yeah, I think that uh, I, I went to the one this past year and before that COVID was a, was a thing. It got canceled before that. And, um, the last one I went to was in, I think it was 2017. I think it was in Staten Island. And, um, one of the, <laughs> one of the prizes that somehow my, my wife entered a raffle while I wasn't looking and somehow I won, <laughs> uh, the, the prize was an American Frog Day shirt from like, I think like 2000 and may, it might've been 2012. And I, I, oh. I, I yeah, I, I wore that shirt like into the ground, but, oh, um, nice. yeah, I, I remember it, it was, um, it was kind of, uh, kind of like a more intimate type of venue, and the one we had this uh, past year in in uh, New York was uh, again kind of a you know more intimate type of, of venue. Do you have like mm-hmm. an expectation of how many you think it's going to be a bigger show because of where you are and now that the COVID restrictions are kind of less? I mean, you anticipating more people? Yeah, so I'm definitely hoping that that's going to be the case. Um, I'm, I like that we've got it. There's nothing against New York. I mean, it's fantastic. There's a great community out there, but I like that we're moving it just to kind of get other people involved and some of the guys that, um, and guys and girls, but you know, the people in the Chicago and land area and Midwest and everything, um, giving them a chance to come. So it'll be some new faces, which will be fun. Hopefully we get a good turnout. Um, in years past, I've been told that uh turnout has been anywhere from 100 to 250 people on average so i'm definitely shooting for that upper 250 range so we'll see but um yeah lots of lots of new people um and yeah i do like that it is smaller um i love going to the big narbc shows um seeing lots of cool stuff and everything but it's fun when it's a smaller show everybody kind of knows each other you can chat hang out see everything you're not going to miss anything you know and be yeah a little more like intimate of a of a show compared to some of those bigger ones so we'll see though but yeah i'm definitely hoping for for a big turnout this year and in in addition to the show portion which is obviously um you know you can you can buy buy frogs if you're a vendor you're selling frogs plants etc yeah what's gonna there's gonna be a dinner afterwards right because i the one i went to we had um you know we had the dinner we had three speakers um, dinner was actually, it was actually really, really good too. What, what what's the, <laughs> nice. what's the dinner going to involve? So I don't know what the actual dinner itself is. Well, I think that's going to, we'll figure that out as we get a little closer. Um, uh, I'm sure I'm hoping it's going to be something good, but, um, as far as the lecture, yeah. So same thing this year, we've got, um, three speakers and with the dinner. And so we've got Ivan from Tesoros de Colombia, which is awesome. I'm very excited to meet him and to hear what he's going to be talking about. Um, he's going to be talking about conservation efforts and future projects with Tesoros de Colombia. And then we also have somebody coming in from Wikiri as well. I'm not sure who exactly it, it's going to be. I'm not sure if they've decided yet, um, but I think they're going to be talking about uh, conservation efforts and things that they're working on as well. And we can come back to this later, but uh, we've got some exciting news as well that's going to be announced there from wakiri um and then we also have andreas zarling so he i'm not sure if he's going to be there in person or not but uh either way he's going to be giving a a talk if if not in person then over zoom um and he's going to be talking about some of his in-situ work and 
things that he's experienced and learned out in the field. So it's going to be great. I'm really excited personally just to listen to all these guys and hear what they've got to say um, and learn some stuff and be with a bunch of other like-minded Frogger people, you know? So I think it's going to be a really good time. Was Andreas the speaker last year? I, I don't, I don't remember. I think, was he? I'm not sure if he, did. I think he, he definitely has in the past. I'm not sure if it was last year um, or when it was, but I know he has in the past for sure. And he's a really smart guy. Super nice. I met him at the frog day event in 2019, I believe. Um, and yeah, he's super knowledgeable, lots of experience and stuff. So I'm excited to hear from him for sure. Yeah. I, I feel like it was him. Cause I think he came over from, um, he's, is he's in Germany, right? Or is he in Belgium? Uh, one of the, yeah, somewhere over, I'm not totally sure. Um, I think he is German, uh, but I'm not sure where he's living currently, but yeah, I'm, I'm not really sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, some of the, some of the key takeaways that I got from it was observations of wild tinctorious. And just how, like, you know, we think that a big, thick Tinctorius in captivity is, is bad. And he showed us videos of wild ones, and they're, they're huge. They're like, <laughs> wild Tinctorius are just monsters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that <laughs> was, that was an sure. interesting takeaway. And um, I'm, I'm looking on the Frog Day website, AmericanFrogDay.com. And um, you've got, uh, is this, uh, I'm going to try and pronounce this as best I can. Is it sure. Jambatu? Um, yeah, so Centro Jambatu, it might be, you know what, I, sh I really should know, um, but I'm not super familiar with their organization, but yeah, Centro Jambatu, if that's how it is pronounced, is, um, the organization that we're donating to this year. So any of the proceeds from this show, um, that after covering all of the, the costs for everything, you know, the venue and just everything that goes into it, there's lots of expenses, but um, for the ticket sales and everything and any any leftover money that we have after the show goes to them, which is super cool. So Chris and I aren't in it for making money. We're just doing it to host the event, just to have people here, just having a good time and then, you know, helping out, um, helping them out as well. Yeah, it was it was definitely a fun experience last time. And the, the, the amazing and again, I I. I wish I could go, but Chicago is a bit of a, it's a bit of a ride for me. And this, I mean, the, my job is a little bit busy around September, so I wouldn't be able to pull it off. But, um, you know, for anybody in that area, and I, I don't know what's with you guys in the Midwest, but like the Midwest is like half of my audience is there, um, this frog people. So, I mean, I'd encourage if, if you're a, even if, especially if you're a new person, you know, go get a chance to talk to some of these people. There's going to be some, uh, some really incredible people there. And, um, you know, it was just, it's it, it, to be sitting in a room with all these people from all of different parts of the country and whatnot, and be able to just have casual conversations about frogs and, you know, aspects of husbandry and what's coming in on an import and the lectures like here, I, I, I caught Ivan's lecture last year. And I mean, the amount of work that Tesoros puts into this is just absolutely incredible. Like you think you hear about people raising frogs like in their countries of origin you think it's it there's so much to it i mean just like listen oh, to listen sure. to ivan talk it's just it's it's amazing that they have the patience to be able to go through all the oh definitely yeah yeah for sure i'm very excited to hear him talk because i ha i've missed his um his previous talks he's done a frog day i haven't i don't know if they're online posted somewhere or what but um i i haven't heard any from him so yeah, I'm really excited to hear what he's got to say and um, if he talks about any cool upcoming projects or anything. So that one's, yeah, that's going to be super interesting. And just what you were saying too about any new people coming out, um, 
I th- it's 10 bucks to pre-order your tickets and 12 at the door. So super cheap. And again, all the, all the profits go to, to central Jambatu and for frog conservation and everything. And it's a great way to meet extra or not extra great way to meet new people. And it's fun to put a face to the name after seeing, cause there's so many people I know online that I've talked to and interacted with on Facebook and everything. And it's so cool to finally meet them in person and, you know, get, just talk about frogs for a while. It's, it's super fun. It's a great time. So for anybody that's on the fence or considering it, I definitely recommend you coming to check it out. It's going to be a good time. And it is a small community when you, when you think about it. Oh yeah. It's, definitely. it's not, I, I look at, um, I mean, just going back a ways and, you know, the, the, the way back machine, everyone who kept any kind of exotics usually kind of kept a little bit of everything. People had these really eclectic collections and then people kind of became more and more specialized time went by. Although you had some people who just only kept our frogs for 30, 40 years. That's, that's true too. But it's not like you're going to go to a massive show and get lost in the crowd. Exactly. It's, it's, you're going to be with you know, people who are in the hobby and you realize there's not, you look around, there's, there's not that many of us, but the, you know, those of us who are there are the ones that really count. So yeah, that's a nice sure. takeaway and from it too, is the, just the kind definitely. of just the camaraderie. I agree for sure. Yeah. So no menu, huh? <laughs> not right now. I'll have to talk to Chris about that. I think he's in charge of the dinner. Yeah. I hope I'm not in charge of the dinner. <laughs> so I'll, I'll chat with him soon and figure it out. I'll let you know, but should be something good. And Maybe some deep dish pizza or something. Oh man, you, you nah, Chicago guys with pizza. Oh. <laughs> no, I do prefer I prefer New York pizza. I promise. I'm not even a big fan of deep dish. Um, I would I would take New York style pizza all day, every day over over deep dish. You know, I'll tell you something funny. I don't know if this is a New York thing in general or if it's a Long Island thing. And this is has nothing, yeah. nothing to do with frogs, but very few people go into the pizza places around in my neighborhood and actually get like a regular cheese slice. The big thing here oh. is, yeah, the big thing here is uh, buffalo slices, buffalo wing slices. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that's huh. like I've heard you, about that a few times lately, but I haven't tried it though. Interesting. Yeah, like when I go into the like the, the, every pizza place here is is named like Mario's. There's like Mario's is yeah. everywhere. <laughs> There's like Mario's, the original Mario's, Mario's of Brooklyn. Yeah, but, but, um, yeah, you go in for lunch, like you got to ask for like most, most good pizza places. You got to ask for like a regular cheese slice. Otherwise you got like Buffalo chicken, barbecue chicken or oh, um, salad slices. Sounds good though. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you walk in and there's like, like 12 different types of pizza, it's, um, it's a little bit <laughs> cool. overwhelming. And the funny nice. thing is. There's always like there's like the, the Mario's and then there's the good Mario's. You know, and then you <laughs> yeah. pass like three three pizza places and there's no no we're gonna go to the good one. There's a there's a, a joke about that in some TV show. Um, I think it's The Office, and they're talking they're like talking about where they got the pizza from, and it's two names that are basically the same. And they're like, which one did you get? Because one's good and one's crap. <laughs> and then he got the wrong one. They're all like, ah oh, man, like you got the wrong one. But yeah, that's funny though for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a weird dynamic that and the um, yeah, <laughs> yeah that that and the, the bagel stores like I've oh, gone sure, to yeah. I mean I don't I don't travel too much but like I've gone to bagel shops outside of New York and um it's very very different it's very very different oh I and, bet. yeah like, there's a 24 hour bagel place that's like a couple of blocks from me and a couple of blocks up from me rather and you can get pretty much any any combination of whatever you want at any hour of the day, like you'll go in and like, you could, you could go in and say, listen, 
I want an everything egg bagel. I want it toasted on one side. I want the dough scooped out of the other side. I want half. <laughs> I'm serious. I've been in line. People <laughs> order this. I'm serious. And that's, that's yeah, that's the way it goes. But Dang. all right. Well, let's let's get back on track because no one cares about my my <laughs> my, uh, my culinary uh, proclivities. Um, so. Like for anybody who's interested in attending, like what's what's the venue like? It's it's at a hotel, right, in Chicago. Can you give yeah. us some information on the venue? Yeah, definitely. So I haven't been to this place personally, um, but it's the Chicago Marriott, um, just at the you know the convention center kind of room there. Um, I like I said earlier, the I don't know the square footage or anything off the top of my head, but the turnout in years prior has has been a hundred to two hundred fifty people. So it's not a massive room, you know, there's, you know, a dozen, 15 vendors, something like that, uh, 10 to 20, somewhere in there. Right. Um, so it's not massive. Um, definitely get a chance to stop by every single table, spend a couple minutes and chat with whoever it is, see what they got, all that stuff. Um, so it's not, it's not too big. Like one of those big shows where you miss half the stuff and you can barely hear the person next to you. It's a lot more low key and, and fun. And also everybody's talking about the same stuff. It's all frogs. So, and like you were saying earlier, yeah, it is, I'd say mostly dart frogs, but it's American Frog Day. So, yeah, we got all sorts of, all sorts of stuff. There's going to be tree frog breeders, like Mike Novi's going to be there. Um, and it's all sorts of stuff. I know they've done uh, Mantellas for the lecture series and Adelopis and stuff um, in the past. But yeah, this year, though, um, I think the main focus is going to be Ufaga, which is cool. Um, there's going to be at least Ivan's going to be talking about that kind of stuff. Um, I think Andreas will a little bit too. Um, so that's kind of the direction we're leaning towards. So it is definitely, there's going to be a lot of dart frog people there, but even if you're just into frogs or just in general or a certain type of frog or other stuff, there's still, you know, supplies there and plants and just knowledgeable people to talk to just about frog stuff and the whole community and in, in general, you know, so if you like frogs, you're going to find something there that, that you're into. And there's a charity auction as well, right? So you could potentially auction off. Yeah. Um, yeah. Totally. Yeah. So that's going to be fun. And um, we do have a special, special item for the auction. that I'm not going to talk about too much because it's a surprise, but people are definitely not, wanna, not going to want to miss it. So that's going to be fun. Um, so yeah, we do have an auction and yes, it's all charity. The vendors donate and stuff and that's always a good time, you know, fun, good energy and everything. So that's going to be going on after the show. And so, yeah, you could definitely score some pretty cool stuff there. And yeah, it's all for, you know, it's for conservation. So. Yeah. And the auction is, is, um, not, it's not, it's not always what you think. I think that, I mean, there was, um, there was like literally everything there. There were plant clippings. There was uh, terrariums. There was oh, yeah. um, f- photographs. There were um, you know, photographs of different frog species that had been matted yeah. and framed. And there was, I mean, after a while, it kind of, it kind of got, it kind of got a little funny. And I think this, because it's for charity, so it's supposed to be fun. But right, right. there was something that really weird that got auctioned off. I can't remember what it was. I think it was like, a, I think it was like a crumpled up piece of paper. <laughs> or like somebody's shoe or like something crazy yeah, got like auctioned off yeah. for like 50 bucks at the end. And it was, it was <laughs> some inside joke that'll yeah, be around for a while. Yeah. yeah it was funny. Sure. It was funny. Or yeah, it might've been like, know, a, you know, yeah, <laughs> I think it was like a drawing of a frog or something like that. Oh, but, <laughs> yeah. Someone's yeah. little sketch. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's all, it's, we're all good people and all there to have a good time and hang out and, and stuff. So, you know, it's all, it's all fun stuff. So it's going to be a good time. Yeah, yeah, and it's 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 nice 
because like the the expo thing I mean, I don't know. You tell me what you think about this. Because when I go to a reptile expo, especially nowadays, I kind of just, I like to get in when it opens and get out quick. But Mm -hmm. I don't feel like, I just, I feel like I'm completely like lost in the crowd. I just don't, I feel like expos are really more of like a, uh, I always feel like it's always snake heavy, at least out by me. And I always feel like it's just, it's nice to have a niche that's just for, for frog people, like, I don't know. I mean, what, what do you think? Because like, you guys have got some pretty big expos out by you, right? Yeah, totally. And I've been going to them for years. I've vended at several of them, you know, like or several times. Um, and those shows are so fun. I love it because, again, I'm into reptiles and stuff too. So it's fun to walk around and see different stuff. But, yeah, you can definitely miss a lot. Definitely kind of get lost in the crowd and, like, I don't know where I want to go right now or, like, it's too busy so you can't see a table or something. And not to, I'm not bashing those shows in any way, but you know, people, people are there and definitely want to make money. Um, and of course people are selling things at frog day too, but I think, um, it's not only just a show, it's, it's kind of a get together as well, you know, cause people are coming from all over to come meet different people and hang out with different people and everybody's seeing each other. So kind of, kind of a different energy, I feel like, you know, um, compared to some of, some of those bigger, bigger shows and stuff. Um, and again, yeah, it's, it's all frogs. So it's not like, of frogs and frog related stuff. So, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely different than some of those bigger shows. Cause those can be a little overwhelming when you're vending a regular show. What's the, the foot traffic like? Cause, um, I mean, I, I, I don't know how you guys do that. I just, I wouldn't have the patience for it. I just couldn't handle getting like swarmed. I mean, I had a garage sale once and that was, I that was it <laughs> oh, yeah. after that. It was, yeah. Because people, people were like come up to me like, well, what do you have in the house? I'm like, what I got in the house is none of your business, man. I'm not, <laughs> none of your They'd be like, you'd, you'd be oh, have like, funny. um, you'd have like, I'm trying to like video games out, like you know, like video games from like the '90s. Like, well, what do you have inside? I'm like, nothing, man. Everything is here. Like, no, you got more. I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so I've been uh, the booths that I've worked at before have been fairly well known, um, and so pretty popular. You know, they've got like stuff that they're the only ones who have it or whatever so one of the shows i worked at for a while or was vending at for a while we were like the only ones that did did fruit flies there so we had like weekly or we, you know people that came by every single show to come pick up um flies and stuff all the time so i'd see like the same people all the time and kind of knew what they were there for and what they were doing kind of had a routine um but yeah i mean there's definitely it does get a little overwhelming like i'll, I'll i would show up and then couple hours into it i'm like oh crap i haven't eaten all day like <laughs> i'm sorry i've just been talking to people this whole time so it is like it, it's super fun but yeah it is it is kind of exhausting i think with frog day it'll be a little more chill just because of, of the size of the show it'll be a little smaller and um you know so I, th- I think it'll be a little different but yeah it definitely does get a little overwhelming with how busy some of the big shows get especially that uh the tinley park and arbc show how many shows do you vend a year so I don't do it anymore. I was helping out um, with friends of mine, uh, but I used to a couple years ago. And when I was really starting to get into frogs, um, I got a lot of supplies from the show because I would help them out and kind of exchange for for supplies. So that was super nice. But that show was happening here um, in my hometown, just outside Chicago. Uh, it was this. It's the Scott Smith All Animal Expo, and it was happening twice a month. So and I was going every every single every single show. So it was fun. It was a lot, but it was super fun. Yeah. We've only got, I mean, where I am anyway, within like reasonable driving distance, we've got two episodes uh, two episodes, excuse me, two, why do we do that? <laughs> two expos. We've got uh, two expos on the Island a year. 
And there was one just outside of New York City, uh, the West, the uh, White Plains one. But that I believe, oh yeah, I know yeah, that one. something happened with the promoter. I think that uh, I think he took ill or something. Something happened, mm-hmm. so that. But we were in that whole kind of cluster up there, and like the nearest show is like kind of upstate from me. So, oh I'm yeah, kinda, yeah, I'm kind of stuck with like those two. But like when I go in, it's like a secret ops mission. Like I go, like I'm, <laughs> I'm there, like. I go in with my cash, I get my stuff, and I'm out of there before, like, you know, uh, like, I'm very methodical yeah, about yeah, it. No. Like, yeah. <laughs> I go in, like, you know, I, I, I do, like, a quick reconnaissance of, like, what's where. Uh, I ball what I want. All right. Bing, bang, boom. I'm done. I'm out. Right. That's it. <laughs> see, you, see you in six months. <laughs> I'm the opposite. When I go, I'm looking to say hi to everybody. I'm browsing around. I've got the list on my phone of whatever stuff I'm looking to get, you know, but I'm picky, and I'll come back to a table, like, six times. Um, so I, I'm like the opposite of that. I totally get that though. Cause yeah, it can be overwhelming. And like, sometimes you're just like, I just want to get in and out, like get myself and leave. But, um, for the, for the bigger shows, like it's fun for the people that I don't see like as often, you know, cause this show that I'm talking about, um, that I was at all the time, 10 minutes away from my house, like I was there all the time. So, you know, but the, the bigger, like the NARBC show, you know, you've got people coming from across the country and stuff for it. So I always you know, I like to, I like to chat and, and stuff, but, um, no, I, I know how it goes though. But frog day for anybody, for the people listening that are going to attend that you're going to want to stick around for frog day. Cause there's so many smart people there. There's so much knowledge to be shared and just so much to see and experience there. I feel like, so that's going to be a show that show. You're definitely going to want to stick around and, and chat with people with you. There's lots to learn. Yeah, it's definitely something to take in, especially like if you're a beginner. I mean, I'm I don't have much of an online presence, but I know a lot of people get a lot of their information online, which is which is cool. It's yeah. great. There's a lot of you know, there's a lot of good sources of information. But to actually sit down with a person who you may or may not have talked to online or exchanged a message with, to actually sit face to face and speak to another keeper, especially some people who are just really really advanced in the hobby, yeah, and just talk to them is just such a good experience because the community is. I mean, to be honest, like I've never had a bad experience with any, like any other like dark frog keeper. I've had like disagreements with people, but right, I've right. never had like, it's like, we're very, very supportive of each other. And it's, it's just like, I, I can't imagine anyone not being welcome at this type of event. Yeah. And I mean, absolutely. Everybody's welcome to come. Um, I know there definitely are disagreements and. I've run into a few, not myself personally necessarily, but like chatting with somebody and I mentioned somebody else and they're like, oh yeah, I don't talk to that guy or I, I don't mess with that guy or whatever. So I know that there is some of that going on, unfortunately. I think it's, it's more of like the long-term kind of guys who have had run-ins with each other throughout the years. Um, and they're not going to project that onto anybody else really. So no, everybody's welcome. Um, everybody's super friendly, especially, you know, just like when you're asking questions and stuff, everybody's happy to help out because it's a community. And again, like I said, it is a show and people are selling stuff, but it's kind of like a meetup, you know, you're going there to meet people and hang out and learn and stuff. So kind of different vibe than other shows, like we were saying. So yeah, everybody's welcome. And there's, it's going to be a really fun time to just hang out and chat. And it is, it is nice to talk to somebody one-on-one like that, as opposed to just typing stuff out online. It's, it's easier. And, easier to ask questions and learn from, I think. So, 
Yeah, no, definitely. You know, go definitely be ready to to take some notes and, and yeah, take bring a notepad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right, so it's Chicago, Illinois, the twenty fourth of September, and it's going to be at the as I like totally like look at my thing. All right, it's going to be <laughs> the twenty fourth of September, Chicago Marriott Oak Brook uh, Hotel which is in Chicago. It looks like there are also hotel rooms available. And what time does it start? It starts at 10 a.m., right? 10 a.m., yep. And then I think uh ends at 4, and then we start working on auction stuff, and then uh, dinner, I believe, starts at 6.30. Outstanding. All right. Yep. And then all that info is also online on AmericanFrogDay.com under the Schedule tab. We've got everything laid out. Um, you can pre-order your tickets online for the show. You can... Um, Actually, you should pre-order your tickets online for the show, um, two bucks cheaper, and then you should order those uh, lecture series and, and dinner tickets as well because those will sell out. There's limited seating. So if you're interested in that, you're thinking about it, definitely get on it uh, sooner than later. Outstanding, outstanding. All right, well, listen, I'm going to encourage everybody to go check this out. A lot of work has gone into this, and if you guys are in the Midwest, or even if you're not in the Midwest, even if you can get away for that weekend and travel, go check it out. It really is the defining event for the dart frog community throughout the year. And like, even if you're not into dart frogs, I know I've got people who listen who are into tree frogs and whatnot. Yeah. Go check it out. There's a lot of similarities. Sure. There's a lot of crossover. I mean, look, if you're keeping Antelopus, if you're keeping Mantellas, if you're keeping red-eyed tree frogs, dumpy tree frogs, whatever, there's still a lot that you can take away from this type of event. So definitely go check it out. Um Jack, I know we we both been talking like a mile a minute, mile a minute this episode, but <laughs> is there anything else you want to add? Uh, anything else that we missed, or any other like is there like a Facebook group or any other thing that people would want to check out? So yeah, um, I've been posting weekly or twice a week, just throughout all those Facebook pages, um, just with updates for the event, and I've been posting on the American Frog Day Facebook page at all. Feel free to check that out, give us a like and follow or whatever, um, and just be checking for updates. Um, as more people decide they're vending and, and whatnot, just updates and stuff like that. So yeah, just check social media and everything. Um, spread the word to other people, even if you're just, yeah, just curious about it. It's totally worth stopping by. I encourage everybody to come check it out, bring your friends and family. And I look forward to seeing everybody there. It's going to be a great time. Very cool. Very cool. All right, everyone. I want to thank Jack for came, uh, for coming on the show and uh, running it down for us. It's going to be a cool event. If you have a chance you're in the area, I, I'm just going to keep saying it. Go check it out. You you won't regret it. Bring your lunch bring your lunch money, your birthday money, because there'll be plenty of good stuff to buy. And oh, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, pick up a slice of pizza maybe too. But um, <laughs> uh, I I've totally lost it. I, I my all my seriousness has gone out the window with this one. But. <laughs> Hey, you got to have fun sometimes. So for sure, yeah, it's gonna be a fun event. So, it is. It is. Sure. I can like the 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 feeling is is catching fire. So definitely. Oh God. All right, listen. <laughs> uh, I want to thank everybody who put up with me for this episode. I, it's it's um, you know I, I like to uh, bring stuff like this out. It's a great way to keep the community together. We are a community. We have to stick together. This is a great way for people to come together, talk about the stuff that we love, share our passion. And be supportive of each other, which in the end is really the most important thing. So, uh, definitely. I hope you guys check this out. Uh, you know, if you, if you show up there, give Jack a smile and a, and a big thanks <laughs> for putting all this on. And uh, other than that, I hope you guys enjoyed this one. Go check out American Frog Day 2022, September 24th. And I will catch up with you guys again next week. <laughs>